Hi, everybody. It's Connor. Uh, welcome to this thing, this this in-between show, this limbo show. Hi. Uh, yeah, it's, it seems like whenever I feel like testing out my equipment, there seems to be something that I would uh, talk about anyways um, in the film world. So I just thought I'd pop in, make sure my setup works still, and uh, also... Um, tell you about something. So there's another episode of this uh, two-shot thing on Deadline, which I told you about last time I was here. The uh, This little, tiny little 12, 14-minute episodes of things that uh, Todd McCarthy and Pete Hammond are doing. So uh, I'm going to point you that way to this thing. Um, this, this one is called um, Why Voters Regularly Ignore the Bonds and Spider-Mans for Best Picture and Should They? And so in this, um, Pete and Todd are talking about um, what I just said, you know, the ten- the Oscars are coming up and the, t- the tendency for the voting body of the Academy Awards to end up kind of ignoring or downplaying or giving less consideration to larger genre and blockbuster films um, because they're not awardsy enough. And we've talked about this on the show a lot. So I'm going to play a couple of clips from this discussion. You should really check out the entire thing. I put the link in the show notes of this episode, but you should listen to the entire thing because it's really cool. And I like, uh, I like these two and I like this series. So I'll play you a little bit of what they're talking about here. And I've got some thoughts of my own. Uh, they don't seem to appreciate the artistry of them, only the money they make. And, you know, I think it's kind of unfair. I saw Spider-Man No Way Home the other night. And I have to tell you, I was really impressed by this movie. It's that kind of, I sat in a theater, IMAX auditorium with a full audience, and they were just ooing and aahing. And you, and you just remember the days of movies that, you know, people got thrilled by and, and, and what was on that. And I'm not going to give all the spoilers. But boy, was that exciting. And, you know, that'll that'll be lucky if it gets one Oscar nomination uh, because they just go Spider-Man. Oh, there's been eight or nine. No, this is so well made. And I've seen many examples of it this year. Uh, the James Bond film, I thought, was too. No, no time to die. Well, James Bond, no James Bond has ever even been nominated for acting as James Bond. And it's one of the most iconic characters in the history of the movies. That's for sure. Well, I think if you just go back, though, in time, I mean, the Oscar-type films, I mean, there's the kind of film that usually considered that, basically rest in traditional drama mm-hmm. for the most part. And then it became, it became in the 1950s and 60s, expensive epic films yeah. that had an aura of prestige, money, and weight that made you take them seriously. Now, some of those films are really bad, <laughs> and some of them are good. You know, yeah. Lawrence Arabia is great. You know, yeah. some other ones, maybe not so much. Even The Dark Knight which critics loved and everyone loved and they thought this is going to be it, was shunned in terms of a Best Picture nomination Mm -hmm. in its year that led the Academy Board to actually change the rules and go from five nominees to ten in the hopes that some of these movies could actually get nominated. And that would only help the Oscar show ratings, obviously, because, you know, when you have a big movie that people love and they've all seen, they will watch the Oscars' Titanic was an example of that. Uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, all three of those Lord of the Rings in the trilogy were nominated for Best Picture. The last one won 11 Academy Awards. People watch, but it's gotten so rare. The now. films that are regarded as equals of those films, at least like the Alien films, they, were, they weren't getting nominated either for Best Picture. No. Well, yeah, it's, it's very tough uh, to yeah. get these. No- that, that category, though, that's in sci-fi. 
and uh, they they still stay away from science fiction for some reason. Well, and probably because th those kind of films are not to the taste of the traditional older Oscar viewers or yeah. Oscar voters either. It's true. I think you know there's a undoubtedly prejudice against comic book type films. Yeah, and um, maybe just films that are too effects driven. Uh, like Dark Knight, you know, could kind of yeah, straddle it was. that. Well, you know, the, the, um, I, I, like I said, they changed the rules, put in 10 to do this, and what did they get? 10 indie-type movies nominated. I mean, it wasn't like they were coming to the plate and suddenly going to nominate these things. I mean, you so I listened to the entire uh, discussion, and I, you know, so some of the stuff I'm about to talk about it was not part of what you just heard, but I am just have my own thoughts on this. So, again, check out the entire conversation if you want to listen to it. But I... um this is always a topic I'm happy to speak about because um, it's, it's it's one of those things uh, when you think about or read about movie news or you just give it any thought at all, it, it comes out to a really simple equation and then you kind of throw your hands up and go, oh, whatever, you know, or at least I do. There's something interesting from what they're talking about that they don't mention. So I wonder if it's in play anymore. I think it is. But you talk about, you know, the voting body of the Academy. And what do they consider best? Um, what do they value? So I'm reading this book, um, and I happened to come across this subject. I was reading this part this morning. This book is called The Geek's Guide to SF Cinema, 30 Key Films That Revolutionized the Genre by Ryan Lamy, who uh, at the time of the book's writing is the deputy, deputy editor of denofgeek.com. And so I'm, I'm most of the way through his book. And I'm in the section about, I believe they're talking about District 9 at the time, but then they start talking about Academy Award recognition for uh, sci-fi. And um, so we start to mention James Cameron and Neil Blomkamp. Um, so here's what's interesting. I'm going to read you some of this uh, passage here. Um, Ultimately, neither Avatar nor District 9 won Best Picture. Cameron lost out to his ex-wife, Catherine Bigelow, and her Iraq War thriller, The Hurt Locker. Eight years later, Cameron might have had Avatar in mind when he grumpily argued in an interview with Daily Beast that the Academy, quote, doesn't regard the films that people really want to see. That Cameron's 1997 period romance, Titanic, won Best Picture, might fly in the face of that theory. However, as might the notions, the nominations, sorry, that came along after Avatar's nod for Best Picture. Since 2009, such science fiction films as Inception, Gravity, Mad Max, Fury Road, and The Martian have all received nominations in the Best Picture category. In 2017, director Denis Villeneuve's profoundly moving drama Arrival receives no fewer than eight nominations, including Best Picture and Best Director. Cameron may have a point, however, about the kinds of movies that tend to take home the Best Picture award at the end of the night, he points out that the majority of the Academy's voters are actors and have the tendency to back films that celebrate their craft. With films that are more technical or rely more heavily on special effect, Cameron says, they say, oh, that's not an acting movie. I found that interesting. And uh, again, I read that this morning before I came across the two-shot episode. So that would explain a lot because if you have followed the Oscars at all or talked about it or complained about it, the basic premise of complaining about the Oscars is that they are talking about or rewarding films that you've never heard of or that you didn't even think were that good and snubbing films that you actually might have liked. The overall thing is here comes down to taste. Again, best picture according to who? It's silly to get upset about it to a certain extent because you're basically saying that somebody is wrong 
when there is no right answer. It's like being a kid again. Like, uh, my, my dad's the bad dad could beat up your dad. No, he couldn't. My dad's the best. No, my dad's the best. Who cares? <laughs> this is a, this, it's a, it's kind of a childish argument. And I say this as somebody who has participated in this childish argument and been angry about this sort of thing, uh, year after year. And, uh, I probably will be this year when whoever wins wins. And I'll be like, that seems silly. Um, so uh, I, I guess I'm here to just sort of tear down this entire argument and just say, let's just remind ourselves that this is a subjective argument. This is a subjective um, topic. There is no right. You know, th- there is no wrong. There is just – although uh, there's certainly something to be said for the legitimacy that the Academy lends to or takes away from a certain film. When The Hurt Locker won over Avatar – doesn't mean Hurt Locker is a better movie, although it it is a better movie. <laughs> At least I think so. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not a better movie. It just means that more voters saw value in that film over Avatar. Now, which one had a more lasting cultural impact? Actually, who knows? I don't know because people didn't talk about Avatar for a long time um, uh, until these sequels started getting announced and pushed back. But the point being, which one was a greater contribution to the medium overall? Well, it was definitely Avatar. Avatar did way more to advance digital filmmaking and filmmaking in general and the different ways you could make a movie and the different things you could do with the technology than The Hurt Locker did at all. The Hurt Locker told a more human story, maybe told a more interesting story. But it, this isn't the lasting impact on the industry awards. It's the Academy Awards for Best Picture. Again, what's the criteria? Ah, uh, opinions. It, opinions. So when someone's giving an opinion, the only thing you're left with with why should I listen to this person is, well, who are they? Who are? Why does their opinion matter? If you're not gonna, if we're not gonna have a black and white, you know, a completely transparent criteria for. What makes the best picture? You know, like if we were to say, um, you know, it uh, has, has to have the has to have it has to be shot in this aspect ratio. It has to be such and such long. The beats have to happen perfectly on structure. Um, we have to have the main character has to cry, but also laugh, and it has to make it. You know, if there are no objective criteria, which there is not, then of course it comes down to well, how do you pick? I just decide which one I like the best. Oh, so it's opinion. Yes, it's opinion. Well, why should we listen to you? Well, because I'm in the industry. Oh, okay. And 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 you as the other person probably are not. So you're made to sort of feel like because I'm not in the industry, I don't know what's good. And to an extent, there's the argument, well, no, because because this other person, the voter is. The voter works in this industry. This is their this is their livelihood. This is their profession. This is their area of expertise, so to speak. So does their opinion matter more than yours? No, it doesn't. Okay. Um, it, it does not. No more than, than your opinion of, you know, who's the best sports team matters to them. Although you may be choosing that based on more objective data, like amount of wins and losses and, uh, you know, championships and stuff. But let's remind ourselves that movies is is movies are art, and art is a subjective uh, thing. Just because someone says something is best doesn't mean you have to agree, and we don't have to get upset about it. So I did just sort of kind of say that their opinion matters more than yours, but it it doesn't. 
I'm just sort of explaining why their opinion matters to anybody to begin with <laughs> over yours, because they are an actor in Hollywood and you are not. But as this book just pointed out, that voting body is going to tend to pick films that are more actory, that put performances on more, uh, the more performance, performance fronts, performance led films or movies that celebrate their craft like the artist did, you know. Of course, an actor is going to appreciate a movie like that a lot more than they're going to appreciate The Avengers or Spider-Man or, or No Time to Die. But it doesn't have to matter to you. You know, someone had suggested there be a blockbuster category in the movies to where there actually can be a field of just blockbuster films. I don't know how you decide what's a blockbuster. I guess maybe how much box office it did. Like here are the top performing movies of the year. Which one Which one was the, the most well-made? You could do that. Although then it's kind of insulting that Black Panther would make it in the blockbuster category, but not just best picture overall, you know? So that's been argued against. Um, what's been also, I mean, there's best special effects, you know, best visual effects should be, I mean, best, um, you know, people have been arguing for best stunt coordination for years. Cause that's a craft in and of itself. The Academy, the, the, the what it always comes down to, and I'll remind you, cause I'm a broken record now. So I've, I've been over all of this, but I'll wrap up with this. The Academy Awards more than anything else, it's television content. It can't be too long. It has to be appealing to viewers. Um, and it can't fit everything. And we're in a, we're in an age now where we are trying to recognize every little contribution to movies in the most visible and most viewed telecast concerning the movies. And we're upset that we can't fit it all in, but we're forgetting what it is, which is a television event that has to go, has to roll commercials and can't be too long or it's never going to get on television in the first place. All of that to say, sort of through my teeth, don't worry about it. Um, will I be watching? You know, every year I say, no, I won't be watching. I won't be watching the Oscars because I think they're lame. And I, 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 I don't agree with what the Oscars say. I don't agree with what the Oscars do as a social utility. I don't agree with the legitimacy they do or don't give to movies. I say that every year. And what is my ass doing on Oscar night? Watching the Oscars. Does that make me a hypocrite? No. The reason I'm watching is because my wife asks me to watch. <laughs> um, and, or I sit there and don't watch while she watches. And then I end up watching. And I watch the Oscars because it's live television. And I like to watch and see how it goes because I, there's just something about live television as a person who works in live television part-time that I am excited to see if something's going to mess up. I'm excited to see just if something is pulled off and executed well. And I guess there's a water cooler effect about it too. Um, mainly because my wife wants to watch and we can talk about it. We like to talk about how it's executed. Oh, look at that camera move and stuff like that. You know, oh, that was an awkward presentation. That's weird. I think the Oscars is kind of stupid. But I'm going to watch it because my wife wants to watch it and we can split a bottle of wine. While we're at it, I'll be thinking the whole time, whatever, this is just someone's opinion and it doesn't have to be mine. Okay? Okay. What is my opinion is what I think is worth watching on streaming. Now, it's late January, so I'm not going to talk about what's already on streaming by the time you listen to this. Um, I'm just going to talk about what's coming out this week and for the rest of the month on streaming that uh, excites me. And then I'll talk about what I am watching 
in the process of that. How about that? A little bit of a new thing for you. What am I watching? So this Friday, so Friday, the 21st, um, by the time you listen to this, maybe, I don't know, you know when this, I'm going to drop this thing. Um, but we do have the fourth season, the part one of the fourth season of Ozark, which happens to be something I am watching. I'm watching Ozark and I'm in the third season. I will be caught up probably by the time this drops. And if not, not a big deal. I'll get to it. Part two, I don't know when that's supposed to come out. I haven't read anything about it. I think that's supposed to be in the fall or something. All right, let's go to Hulu. I don't have my Hulu subscription activated right now, but I will again soon. Uh, Oh, here's what's coming out. The Olympics is happening. The Winter Olympics is happening in early February. So I have delayed my re-upping of Hulu and HBO Max until after the Olympics because I know I won't be watching any movies or TV during this time. I'm just going to be sitting in front of YouTube TV with my wife for a couple of weeks watching the Winter Olympics. And I'm very much looking forward to that for sure. But um, still out to come on Hulu, January 18th, uh, what is slash was the two episode series premiere of How I Met Your Father. I won't be watching that, but people might be. I'm curious how that's going to um, play out. Nothing really on Hulu for me in January. Let's talk about Amazon. So what's still to come in Amazon? Nothing. Okay. Disney Plus. What's still to come on Disney Plus? We've still got these these episodes of the Book of Boba Fett happening. Um, on January 19th, we've got dropping uh, the episode of Assembled, the making of Hawkeye, which I'm excited to check out. I, I love those Assembleds very much and um, be interested to watch that. I'm sure the making of Eternals will be out soon because Eternals was uh, just got put on Disney Plus. I watched that over the weekend as well. Um all right, HBO Max. What do we have here? Again, this is late January. I'm not going to talk about what's already there. You can go look yourself if you want. So the 17th, so it's already out. The Murder of Fred Hampton, a documentary about that. So last year we reviewed uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, and it dealt partially with the murder of Fred Hampton in that, in that film. And uh, there's a documentary about it. That's interesting. Cool. All right. In terms of what I have, what I'm watching, let me talk. I'll, I'll sort of, I'll let you in on my watch list. I don't normally talk about what I'm watching because I don't want to spoil the surprise, but I don't even know what I'm going to be talking about <laughs> review wise on this podcast. So, um, as I said, I am watching Ozark. I'm watching, I'm in season three right now. Um, uh, my wife and I are watching the book of Boba Fett. So, you know, we're current on that show and on Disney plus as well. Uh, with Seinfeld being on Netflix, I'm going through Seinfeld as well. And uh, also on Netflix, we started last night The Power of the Dog, the uh, the Jane Campion film uh, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. We just stopped it halfway through because my son kept making noise. We figured we were probably keeping him awake by watching the film. So we went ahead and called it. Um, so I intend to finish that movie as well. That's what we're checking out. Um, there's a lot of stuff I'm watching down the road. I'm going to be checking out mayor of Kingstown on Paramount plus, uh, after the Olympics. And, uh, so, and the Olympics are on February 3rd on, uh, on NBC. And again, you can watch those live. You can watch it through Peacock. I think, um, uh, Peacock was weird about how they stored the, uh, different events for the summer Olympics. So YouTube TV was pretty great. You basically just DVR everything. So that was much better. Uh, so we're probably just going to do that again. That was a pretty penny. But uh, for the ease of watching for us, it was worth it. I think it's like 50 bucks or something. It's it's not cheap, but that was worth it as a one-time investment. If you're watching a two and a half week long um, continuous 
thing, you only have to pay for one month of it. It's worth it, I think, at least. So, okay, that's it. That's all I'm going to talk about. I will talk to you guys some other time. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, yeah, uh, things are crazy out there. Uh, Omicron is really uh, causing a lot of problems, uh, throwing a lot of stuff out of whack. And uh, I just hope everyone is doing everything they can to be safe and uh, trying to ride this thing out the best they can. So I hope in the meantime to be a little voice in your ear, distracting with things that are relatively meaningless (laughs) while you uh, freak out and try to uh, stay sane. So uh, until next time, this is Connor. I'm going to sign off. I'll be back next time. And uh, eventually the movie hour proper will be back. So this, uh, this is brought to you by my new desk setup, my now sleeping child who only sleeps if he hears my voice on a continuous loop and, uh, and me cheers. Cheers.